0: This is episode 110 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have a replay from the Cashflow Candy Days. It's a goodie. Jane Liu, the founder of Shopo. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lackovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, And I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Hello there. I'm away for a little vacation for my birthday with my hubby. And my son is at the grandparents' house being minded there. So a nice little midweek break. And I haven't got a show ready for you. (laughs) So we thought, let's do a replay of something. So I went through all my old cashflow candy interviews and I found a goodie. (gasps) Oh my gosh. You probably know her. I'm sure you do. She's known as the lazy CEO, but also she built a Multiple million dollar business, Shopo. So we have a replay. It's back from May 2017. Now she says on the interview today that they were at 880,000 followers on Instagram. Today they're on 1.8 million followers on Instagram. So this is an awesome story. I don't know if you've heard the story about Jane Lou and how Shopo was created. It's an oldie and it's a goodie. Enjoy. Welcome to Season 2, Cashflow Candy. Um, I've brought an amazing guest on today, and I've been trying to pin this lady down for a long time. I was on an entrepreneurial boat cruise, and I saw the beautiful Jane, and I said, Jane, I want you on Cashflow Candy. And she said, was that you trying to contact us? I said, yes. And she says, I will do it for you. So it is uh, much to my delight and to your delight today, um, everybody listening, to have Jane on the show. Thank you, Jane, for turning up and um, gracing us with your presence. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Excellent. It's my pleasure. Um, Jane, I I don't know if um, the, the listeners, if they've been hiding under a rock, but just in case they have, <laughs> can you tell everybody just what Shopo is?
1: Um, yeah, Shopo is an online retail store that targets women 16 to 32. We have very on-trend clothing, clothing, um, that is very affordable and we have a lot of new arrivals every week. So we're in that fast fashion industry.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you know the age that the market of, like, you just had a really specific target then? You said, what was it, 16 to 32?
1: Um, Yeah, well, we just basically started. The target age was just my age when I first started. And as I've grown older, I keep extending um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, we well, you, you know the business is a representation of ourselves, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it's only expanding um, with my age, but we mm-hmm. just found that naturally that's how um, those are the type of customers that our brand attracts, and I've been very lucky that I am in that demographic, so it's very easy for me to understand our market and also. I think because I'm not that fashiony of a person, like I haven't been to fashion school like a mm. lot of the girls that actually work here, um, I think about everything from the perspective of a um, standing cuffs standard yeah. customer because
0: I you know we sell to the mass market. Hmm. Yeah and it's quite interesting that um, I've done some training with the um, owner and designer of Ollie and Max which is more of a mature ladies brand she does you know sort of sort of resort type of linen type of clothing and um, the one thing this is Samantha. Um, hi Sam if you're listening but Sam <laughs> you know, always says, I'm not a fashion designer. I just know what I like and I know what the women like and that's how I design things. But she, you know, always wants to stress that, you know, she didn't come from that fashion background. But at the end of the day, you know, you're the end consu- consumer, so you understand yeah. what they want. Mm. Can you can you go into, and I've heard your story and I love it, can you go into, you know, how you decided to do Show Pony and just your story of the struggle, like your parents and yeah. just being able to get this actually happening and, you know, build your dream?
1: Um, it's a bit of a long story, but let's see how to interrupt me <laughs> if you want to speed it up. Well, I used to work in corporate finance at Ernst Young and previously KPMG, and mm. I hated it. So, um, whilst I was at EY, uh, this one friend wanted to start a side business um, which we did. It was called Fat Boy Group. We basically um, ran pop-up stores in underutilized locations. So we had a market store inside the art house. The idea in itself is pretty stupid because it's not scalable and it just wasn't that profitable and it's too labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I actually um, quit my EY job to focus on the business because my business partner was kind of insisting on it. But then a month after I quit my job, my business partner told me that she didn't actually want to do it anymore. Oh my gosh. I was like, as you can imagine, devastated. All of a sudden, I, you know, I started working in corporate when I was 18. I was very lucky that I got a cadetship. Mm -hmm. I thought I was fast-tracked to a great corporate career. And now all of a sudden, I think I was 23 maybe, I was unemployed and my business had failed. So I was in a rut. I was literally at um, rock bottom. Didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't want to go ask my job back because when I left, I was kind of like, see you losers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. The Jerry Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was also in
1: the middle of the GFC. So Uh I probably wouldn't have been able to get another job even if I tried because everyone – Every company is just trying to think about how to make people redundant. And mm-hmm. um, so, my only actual, my only option was to actually start another business, which is what I did. Within a month of that whole business collapsing, I was introduced to uh, this girl, um, and we instantly hit it off. I just met her, but we got along so well. She soon became my best friend and business partner. Wow. And one night, over too many glasses of red wine, we actually came up with a name and concept for Show Pony. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time it was going it was a retail business, a bricks and mortar retail as mm-hmm. well as online business. That was the idea. Um, and I was I was mainly working at full time because she had her own site uh, she had her own family business as well. Um, the hard part was I couldn't I did tell my parents about the first business um, and that it failed, and they lent me money for it. So I just couldn't bear myself to tell my parents I was going to start another business because mm-hmm. my track record wasn't great, and I couldn't actually tell them that I quit my job because they like we immigrated to Australia when I was eight so that I could have you know a brighter future, which mm-hmm. is there, which is a job in you know in the corporate world and a stable and steady job, and so I couldn't bear myself to bring myself to tell my parents that I quit my job. So I did not and, and so they
0: were thinking that you were still earnest and young?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And the hard part was that I was actually living at home, which <laughs> meant that I had to put on my suit every day and just pretend to go to work. Wow. So
0: I had to get up. <laughs> it's like the schoolgirl, you know, putting the, the naughty clothes in a yeah. <laughs> bag. Yeah. Instead you're putting your... <laughs> Your suit on? Oh, funny!
1: And like Annette, like I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being unemployed than having to actually get up early when you're unemployed. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, where did you put the suit on and go to? Like, where were you actually going?
1: So I had to get the bus with my mom because we used to catch the bus together oh to wash. And then I would go to the state library. Um, sometimes I would be carrying around an empty laptop bag. So I go to the state <laughs> library, which is where I studied um, Year Twelve. Um, like where i spent my 12 days and then i also spent some time in cafes and i don't know no. i had mm. a part-time job as a receptionist at a laser hair removal clinic which was so demoralizing because the owner was can i say bitch you can beat yes, it up,
0: of yeah
1: go she was just so like rude and like demeaning and it was just it was a really horrible time but it just really pushed me to like Actually, I, I I knew I had to make it work. I wow! Done.
0: And so, what were you doing? Like when you're in the library, were you trying to build what Show Pony was? Because you said back then it was going to be bricks and water, and it was going to be some online. So, is that what you were doing in the library? Like you were just trying to work out like how to create it, or so well, what I was actually, going on there? Um, so
1: some so when we built the business, we. I actually built the website overnight. Like, I just Googled HTML codes and just put Mm -hmm. something together on Big Cartel. Um, And it didn't look great. But I think back then, the standards weren't that high Mm -hmm. in e-commerce. So, I just spent time on social, like, trying to promote the business on social media, working on the website, um, addressing, like, minimal amounts of customer service that we had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But then within three months, we actually opened our bricks and mortar store in Broadway. So I would spend my days working out of there, um, serving customers, which was a little bit like, it wasn't great when, you know, you used to work in a high rise office and now you're serving customers in stores and they're uni students that, like you finally, you have someone that comes in because it wasn't a high foot traffic area. Someone finally Mm -hmm. comes in, and then they ask you for a discount just because they're buying two, which <laughs> isn't that many, and you have to discount for them you have to or you have to help them, and they can be really rude and I've never worked in retail before, so it was
0: just hard to adjust to <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting how, and this is for the listeners out there it's when the need is high enough it's not just about the goal at hand. It's when that need, that feeling that drives you forward, that makes you do stuff that you just would never think of doing. And for you, like, you know, just learning, you know, the HTML codes like hello and then whipping up a website and then just understanding good enough is good enough at the moment just to get some traction there. Um, Really interesting. Hey, where did the name Show Pony come from?
1: Um, Oh, I think it was just one of my high school friends used to – Call my another friend a show pony, and I just thought that was, I just thought it was a cool name. I was like, it's actually because at the time when we first started, all of our clothes were, um, party mainly party dresses. So
0: we've
1: evolved now to different ranges, um, but at the time it was very much all party clothes. Yeah, yeah, so, love it. sweet the name really
0: well. Mm. And when did you decide to change to show Po?
1: Um, we actually did it as we were expanding internationally and we looked um, abroad and there were just so many show ponies everywhere and so we we were like look you know we're not, we don't know anything about the law or like copyright and we don't want to spend our time being tied up um, with lawsuits so what we're good at is marketing so let's rebrand and just market the shit out of the new show mm-hmm. pony and not have to worry about it later on. So,
0: And was it easy to take off? Like did you find that people just ran with it straight away? Were you actually using it just as language like in your offices? Was it like, was it, it something that you guys were doing anyway?
1: Oh, we tried to. Um, so when we, when we first did it, it took us about three months. When we knew, when we, knew we had to change the name, it was pretty devastating because we uh-huh. thought um, a name was so important to a business. Mm-hmm. But then you look at how many bands have stupid names and how many other Businesses have like weird mm-hmm. names. The businesses that we look up to have weird names, so we thought, um, you know what, let's just let's just try and think of something better. We had a wall of like hundreds of names, and we ended up realizing if we just ditched the two letters, yes, this would be great for brand recognition. Um, we didn't know really. We didn't know much about SEO. We thought maybe it's still there would be benefits of keeping the names. Largely the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we did it, we were at first initially about to just make a drastic... We were like, okay, September 1, we're going to just change everything. We had a schedule of how we were going to change the name. And then um, upon good advice from someone else, we realized that you actually want to um, phase phase it out, like phase the transition. Mm-hmm. And so you don't actually lose and lose any, confuse any customers. So we just gradually... Change the website. We change Facebook, and you know we we used to say that Shopo was our nickname for Show Pony, and, yes. it was, and I kept calling it Show Pony for ages. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and now it's great. When um, I don't know if people were just telling me this, but a lot of people say that Shopo is actually a lot better because it's different. It doesn't have any connotations to it, which you know, if you do want to sell to different,
0: uh-huh. yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly, just like You don't, you're not stuck with this showpony name. Mm.
0: So, um, and you know everything's like shortened now, like OMG. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe showpo is, you know, it's just good just to shorten it in the way just to keep with times, right?
1: Uh, and so when we made up when we did the name for the branding. The rebrand was. Um, what's in the name? A pony by any other name is just as cute. <laughs> That's mm. what we ran with.
0: <laughs> so, can I go back just a moment with you said after what, three months, you actually had a physical shop. At yep. what stage did you tell your mum? Like, how, how long did it pan out for? Was it a, Oh, well,
1: It took ages because the only reason I got her off my. or I stopped having to lie was because my. I moved in with my boyfriend mm-hmm. after six months, so I didn't have to deal with that on a daily basis. But it wasn't until actually two years later when I told my parents that I was going Wow. To- yeah, so I told them that I was on extended annual leave.
0: So, <laughs> um, and now discussing it, do they have any type of, you know, intuition like maybe something was going on or they never clicked?
1: No. I, I mean, I'm an only child. I don't know how they have... So they're not even, like, that caught up in their own jobs, but I don't know how they, <laughs> had like, lack such oversight.
0: Mm-hmm. So at what stage did you feel like it was comfortable to tell them? Was it when the business was making a certain amount of money, when you had a certain amount of success? Like, what was it that made you just suddenly go, it's time? Tell yeah,
1: I was, I was waiting till it was really safe and I knew that, um... But, like, it would be, like, there was a very low chance of failing because I had such, mm-hmm. I think because I've been burnt by the first business, you know, I didn't want to go through all of that again. Yeah. And I think it was, it was when we actually got our own warehouse and we had about 10 employees that I thought, you know what, I think, I think it's fine. I think <laughs> because I was like, we've got at least, worst case scenario, we've got enough stock there to sell. Even if it's a fire sale to like cover me for a couple of years. Oh,
0: it's brilliant!
1: And when I finally told them, I remember I took my dad up to. It was Father's Day. Um, we were having a nice dinner at, at the Center Point restaurant, um, yeah. which you know, it was funny because they were like, "Oh, we've been in Australia for twenty years and we've never been up there." Um, <laughs> and that's actually where I was taking them. And I told them, I was like, "You know, and this is September Father's Day, right?" So I was like, "You mm-hmm. know, I took my job um, last." Um, in July, um, and I started doing the business. And they thought I meant July the year before. And I was like, no, 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 July two years ago. And they just couldn't understand how I had the balls to do that because they they were like, we're such risk-averse people because they,
0: mm. they
1: both work. My mom works in the bank. My dad's an engineer, and yeah. all of the families, and also they work in um, companies. But you know to which I said, they actually a much, they, they took a much bigger risk when they moved to Australia. They dropped everything they knew. They had a kid. It's so easy to make these decisions when you're 23 at a whim compared to when you have (laughs) Mm -hmm. a kid to look, look after. And yeah, they left everything they knew, went to a country where they barely know the language and they still barely know the language. And risk everything
0: so yeah yeah, that's so they understood the risk in some ways though even though they're really risk adverse they actually understand what you know what i mean they've gone through it in some way shape or form
1: yeah like you said Mm -hmm. it's really when you're really that determined when you want something that much it's it's risk isn't an an issue yeah
0: yeah all the 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 need the want to succeed um overpowers everything it overpowers the fear you become more resourceful and looking, you know, how to, to how to get there. Yeah. Let us talk about um, how you've got to where you are now. You guys are obviously, you know, just stamped a really big foot in the marketplace. You guys have incre- like what was it, five hundred thousand followers on Facebook alone. What are your what are, what is the Instagram? What are you at with Instagram at the moment? I think almost eight hundred and eighty. Wow. It's <laughs> incredible. So what do you think was, like, if you were to, to plan it out in a timeline, right, of the most, like, significant moves that you think you've made, what were some of the most significant shifts that have brought you to where you are today, starting from all the way back from, you know, from the place in, was it Broadway you said that you good had the question. shop?
1: That's actually a really good question that I don't think anyone else has asked. And um,
0: Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be asking you that then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, so... September 2010, uh, five and a half years ago is when I started the business and we had our first Bruce store three months after that. And then the biggest, the next big thing was six months into it, we had a face of show, pro, show pony competition, mm-hmm. which is basically, it sounds like not much, but it really was a huge um, growth spur for us. So I was drunk on a, I was drinking wine by myself on the couch one night. Um, I love
0: that you love your wine. we have got to have wine together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I was watching America's Next Top Model, and then I was like, "Wow, why don't we actually?" Because we needed models, um, and also, and then I was like, "Why don't we actually implement this on Facebook to engage our followers?" So what? And what we actually did was we had a Facebook um, modeling competition. Um, Where we invited anyone, um, our customers and their friends to enter and to vote for um, someone to be our model. And Mm -hmm. the winner would be the person who had the most votes. And so at the time, Facebook had Fangate on, which meant that you had to like the page in order to engage with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So... We started with a few entries and it grew to, I think, 350, over 350 by the end of it. The girl who won had over 800 votes. And the prize was actually just a model for us for free. And, you know, I ended up giving them free clothes, but nothing was at all promised yeah. for the competition, but just to the chance to um, model for us. And we were a nothing business. But I think maybe the name "Show Pony" made it sound prominent. I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, <laughs> so within one month... Um, and with zero costs, our um, Facebook following grew from three thousand to twenty thousand. Wow! And I think that elevated us to a next level compared mm-hmm. to everyone else that we were kind of like, I guess, competing with. That people from then and there thought that we were much bigger and established than we than mm-hmm. we were. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was huge, and I think that made I realized um, how much our brand and marketing and sales is driven by Facebook. And that was great because it was at a time where the big brands, um, they either thought that Facebook was just a phase, like social media was a phase and mm-hmm. they were sticking to their traditional forms of marketing um, or they just simply didn't know how to use it. So they would probably give social media to their, their most junior marketing staff and, you know, they just were not moving fast enough and doing the right thing. And that gave me, Um, that Mm. advantage to build up a huge following. So if you look at our followers, we've got 500,000, which – you know, if you compare that to maybe say the iconic—I don't know where they're on—they're probably on six, seven, eight hundred thousand—but they paid for that using ads, whereas mm-hmm. all of ours were organic. Whenever we advertised, it only ever went to our website, and that converted to sales. It never went to the Facebook. We never focus on growing the Facebook fans; mm-hmm. that just happened organically through good content.
0: Fantastic. Um, so, what's another significant shift? So, the first one was thank, thank goodness for wine and <laughs> America's yeah. Next Top Model. <laughs> <laughs> that got you the the idea of hey let's do the face of competition. Yeah. What was another move that you think so, was really good?
1: Um, a, a year and a half later, I bought out my business partner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I was actually looking at our sales. Um, just just earlier, the, our last month together when I was with my business partner, we made six thousand. We we sold six thousand online. We also had store sales, but. It was 6000 online, and then the next month it was um, 9000 So my first month I myself, $9,000 in sales. The next month, 42000 and the next month it was seventy-five. Like it just – Wow. I took the business. It just exploded. And I didn't – it wasn't like I was holding back from my business partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still working very hard, but I think just having that control – and being mm-hmm. able to quickly do everything as, like as soon as you want to test something and make yeah. a decision and be nimble and be reactive um, really helped. I mean, we, I think one of the main things we did that was different was we started running Google ads and I just did it myself by fiddling around with Google. I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, we've, since then, we you know, now we hire an agency and I had no idea what they even do. But, <laughs> um, you know, I just kind of like dabbled and, Um, trial and error with that so that was huge and then the next big move was um, the next big change was actually um, I went to Miami for a music for ultra music festival which sounds like nothing but it was a trip that I planned while the business was still making like a couple of thousand uh, like five, six thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. so I thought it'd be easier to take time off Mm -hmm. but now I had this trip planned and we were making $75,000 a month And I was doing all I was doing everything by myself, so customer service marketing, um, wow. t- the photo shoots, buying the stock, transporting the stock oh. uh, uploading things to the website, packing all the orders, writing personal notes in every order and taking it to the post office. And then I realized and because at the time I didn't want to hire staff. I my first job was at McDonald's and I was on five dollars seventy an hour. Mm-hmm. So I was just and I was so used to being so poor for so long mm-hmm. because of this business. Um, and the first during the first business, that the idea of paying someone like twenty two dollars minimum wage was just, just seemed crazy. And I was stubborn, and I was like, "No, I can do this myself. I don't need sleep. I'm a night out anyway." But this trip actually forced me to hire someone. So I was uh-huh. like, "No, don't cancel," because I was considering cancel and staying in Australia to work on it. Mm-hmm. But um, they're like, "No, you can't cancel. Just hire someone." So that hiring someone was actually. A big turning point because that was when we started. I started putting in systems and processes to scale mm-hmm. up the business, and that was a shift from all, only working in the business to actually working on the business. Yeah, so that was huge. Mm. Um, and then another big, and then I guess then I hired my first real like manager, like a someone in a managerial role.
0: And can I just and, check now? Do you did you still have physical shops at this stage, or had good. you already? Yeah
1: got we've had we've got two stores now and Mm -hmm. so the first store wasn't great we had a little pop-up so in Bondi we we have we had a store in the Pitt Street City Westfield in a kiosk area that was just a massive cash cow Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: that kind of gave this that's what kind of gave me the money to also run some ads and like take a bit more risk but Mm um yeah I mean this kiosk we had three racks of clothes it was like three or four meters of clothing um, and we were turning over like ten to twelve dollars, ten to twelve thousand dollars a week, and spending one thousand on rent, one thousand on staffing, like just nothing because that's the we were making as much as some of the actual stores around us, and they had much higher restrictions. To they had to spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars on fit out. They mm-hmm. had, you know, yeah. anyway, much higher rate. So it was a cash cow, and that was a great opportunity as well. So. And then I think, so three years, three, almost four years ago, I had my first manager who's, you know, she's actually my best friend now. And we have, she's still with um, Shopeo and just we have so much fun and work together. And I think having someone who can actually contribute to building the business Mm -hmm. was huge. Finding that right person, like I'm so lucky, you know, I look at, because uh, you've got someone to share that business journey with you, mm-hmm. um, to celebrate your wins with you, someone else to stress about um, all the problems with you, or even stress out more than you do. Mm-hmm. So that was great. You know, we got out we moved into a much bigger warehouse, which allowed us to hold more stock. Mm-hmm. We then, um, And then a year later, we got rid of our warehouse and used the third party logistics company so that meant we didn't have to worry about all the boring warehouse of logistics stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I think there's, it's just been quite, I guess, steady since then. It's just little changes. Mm-hmm. I think your early stages where you have the big, like, turning points and the big aha moments.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's what's next um, that you can talk about? Like you you talked about um, changing the name because you wanted to go into the global market and change it to Showpo. Like what what's the next step for you is there a bigger better version of Shopo for you or is there something else that you're now sort of looking at that you want to do maybe outside of that
1: Um yeah so our focus right now is just to grow our range we started off at um, as I said as a party dresses store but we're really um, finding that our casual wear is just it's um, what we're known for. And our workwear range, which we developed last September, has mm-hmm. really taken off. I started the workwear range because I, as a young corporate, used to spend all of my salary on Friday night drinks and suits and business suits mm-hmm. and stuff like Q, and they're just so expensive. And, you know, all you want to do is wear something exciting to go to work because it's pretty mundane other than that. so. Mm-hmm um, that's something I always really want to do. So, um, we started this work by rage and the success of, of that has really, you know, led us into thinking what else can we work on? Um, and where are the other market gaps? Mm-hmm. So I think we're just working on that at the moment. Yeah.
0: Cool. And but, do you imagine yourself doing something else like building this brand and then stepping into creating something else or you just sort of just not even looked at that angle yet?
1: No, I don't think. So. Yeah. I'm, at the moment, I'm so caught up in this, and
0: I really yeah, I love it. Enjoy, but I think that's brilliant. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, um, in entrepreneurship, and you've probably seen it or, or you know, gone through it yourself, maybe. And I just actually spoke today at the entourage this morning, so they had like a whole heap of new candidates coming in, and I was talking about the bright shiny object syndrome. So you might get one business idea, but you've really got to have that laser focus, because the laser focus is what gives you. You know, that growth and the progression where a lot of people, oh. they have one idea, then they have another idea, then they have another idea. And then before they know it, they're juggling a few ideas or a few different products. Like, you know, it took a while for you to go into the second product. You became successful, knowing for party wear, then you put into casual wear, then you put into the, the, um, the, the business attire. Um, so it's quite interesting. And I love hearing, um, and there's no right or wrong answer, though. It, I just love that you still know that there's so much more potential growth to posts. So that is like your, you know, laser focus. So you just continue to go and where's the gaps? How can we fulfil it? How can we serve these people at a higher level? Instead of going, okay, what's another business opportunity that I can open up? So that's that's just brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, um, Jane, I just want to say thank you. It was great to pin you down and um, be able to share your journey. There are so many learnings in that. Just talking about, you know, just getting out there and doing it yourself, looking for opportunities in the marketplace, knowing how to scale your business, just seeing. um, and, And I loved how you just touched on Just like the true stuff where, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the money side of their business, but at the end of the day, you know, our businesses don't survive without money and you were so concerned about the profit margins that you didn't want to put a staff member on. (laughs) And then suddenly, you know, you were sitting in this situation which was a brilliant situation. It was a blessing in disguise and you finally, you know, were able to just grow that business into the next huge level and have your managers there. So it's just such an amazing growth. Um, Thank you so much for spending your time today. Thanks Um, for having me. Yeah. Hey, one question just to finish off. Let's just say, and I'm not a person that ever goes through regrets, right? That's just the Mm -hmm. way I work. I've never, like, had a boyfriend go, I wish I didn't date him or anything like that. I always take a learning out of everything. Um, In business, though, I always think, gosh, if I was to do that again, now I know the shortcuts to get me there. This is what I'd do differently. What do you think yep. you would do differently, knowing everything that you know now about the social media, knowing about um, how to do, you know, SEO, how to um, really hit the marketplace, you know your target market, what would you do differently if you had to whisper in the ear of the 23-year-old Jane, what would be like a couple of things that you'd say to her to really take that shortcut to get it to the end goal quicker? Well,
1: I definitely would have jumped onto the Instagram bandwagon much earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I would have advertised early, started spending more on advertising before I did. Uh huh. Um, but it's, you know, I think you get into an advertising trap, so it's also good not to go overboard. hmm. But, um, and I think also just to have reassured myself not to be so scared and have such a big fear of failure and to mm-hmm. be not too risk averse, I guess.
0: Yeah beautiful awesome jane thank you so much for your time um and can't wait just to share this with everybody out in the world thanks for having me (laughs) take care you're listening to the herpreneur show i hope you received the inspirational idea thought or message that you're meant to hear today if you love the show it means a bunch to me sending me a message on facebook or on itunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first know when the next show's released Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.